Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This is our final Film Grain virtual cinema, and it is Oscar award winner, another round. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm Erica Berlin, the executive director of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm Mike Berlin, your production libation connoisseur. <laughs> there we go. Good. He's, Good. he's in the mood. And Mike, I believe, is the only uh, person with an adult beverage. Uh, well, I believe in the method. What are you, what are you enjoying, Mike? Uh, I, well, I had to scrounge stuff together pretty quickly for the podcast, so I'm going with a combination of rum and uh, uh, Asperol, and, uh, and uh, yeah, I have Aperol? some- Aperol? Aperol, thank you, Aperol. Aspirin? Aspirin, I crushed some aspirin, and I threw it in the rum, <laughs> and uh, uh, give it a little clementine zest, and some, uh, some uh, lemon juice. Is it good? Yeah, it is pretty good. All right, what do you yeah. want to call it? Is it an actual beverage? Oh, let's, uh, the, the Mads, the Mads. The Mads, the Mads mix. The Mads Mix. Mads Mix. Mads Mix. <laughs> there we go. Okay. All right. Well, you enjoy that. You enjoy <laughs> that. Um, yeah. So today we're talking about another round, which John said was the Academy Award winner this year for Best International Film. Well-deserved. Um, yeah. Although we talked about it in our previous podcast when we talked about the Oscars and um you know, it was it was interesting. I I think we all have thoughts about this one. We certainly all have thoughts about the director Thomas Vinterberg, as we were um, chatting about before we got started. And um, we'll all start off with our with our thoughts. When I was preparing and thinking about this before we got started, the first thing that came to mind um, overall about the movie was kind of the difference between because it's about drinking, right? The whole movie is about drinking and how alcohol makes us all, um, well, it depends on who you are and it depends on your attitude towards alcohol, but the American drinking culture and the Danish drinking culture in particular is very interesting. And when the movie starts, you get a window into that drinking culture very quickly because specifically Danes start drinking very, very young. And I'm talking really young, like openly drinking at the age of 15 years old, you know, condoned by adults. Like, hey guys, head on out and have fun drinking tonight. You're 15 prudes. We're what? prudes. There's a lot of countries that kids can drink True. before you're 21. If we see movies where 15-year-olds are drinking, we're like, oh, tragedy's about to happen. <laughs> you know, we're like, those kids are drinking. Some One of them's going to get in a car and die. Or somebody's going to have their stomach pumped in the next 10 minutes. You know, Americans were very prudish about drinking. And for good, you know, it's not like we're wrong about that. Because... Alcohol, you know, alcohol's not like that great for you. We've learned a lot <laughs> over the years about what alcohol can do to a, a human body um, and the consequences of being drunk, uh, binge drinking, and things that can happen, especially now that we have cars, you know, in the age of the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the story of uh, of another round? What's another round about? It's about drinking and how it can make your life better, but it can also make your life worse. We've got four four fifty year old men. You know, we might have kind of a midlife situation going on. You know, a, a, an age where you might be looking back on your life and everything you've accomplished or wanted to accomplish. And, you know, you're a high school teacher. So these are four high school teachers, long, long time friends. Yeah, they, you know, they're, they're having a drink and they're sitting around. And who, who originally comes up with, with this idea? Isn't one of them telling a story? Yeah. Like um, Erica? How's it? How's it? Peter. I think it's Peter. They're talking about the study. 
Remember, oh, yeah, there is a study. The, the, there's the uh, the study that they did in Norway. And it was a an performance study. study. Right, right. Yes. It was a performance it's study. A and, yes. It's a philosophy of life. And it's not. It, is it Peter? I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was Nicola. It's Who's one it? of the gentlemen. Yes. It's one of the gentlemen because Martin's just starts crying. So Mads Mikkelsen's character, <laughs> he just is so sad about his quiet life that he just starts weeping. <laughs> I don't know how I got here. My my wife, she just, she hates, you know, she's so bored with me and I'm boring. I walk into my classroom and I just sit down and I'm just like, I just look at my student. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm wrong. I sit there and I don't even, I say the wrong things to my students. They're worried that they're not even gonna pass their exams because I don't even know what I'm saying to them. They do portray that well. I, you definitely get that feeling. Like Erica, you as as a teacher currently, I mean, is, is this a fear that you have about, you know, as far as maintaining interest and, oh, yeah. you know, energy and, and, and is that, I would imagine it's a struggle all the time, day, yeah. out, day in, day out. Well, if you if you're standing in front of a bunch of students, especially high school students, all they care about is getting good grades so they can get getting laid, <laughs> going out and drinking so that they can, you know, especially a bunch of boys. They're like, how can I, you know, lube, well, lubricate this uh, situation? <laughs> so these girls are like, <laughs> I was wondering where you were going there. Jeez, good, interesting choice of words. Wow, I maybe that's the wrong choice of words, but we'll call it a Freudian slip. It was sorry. a Freudian. Thank you, John. <clears throat> Mike's face is priceless. I know. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Um, you want to keep them engaged, but they, you know, a, a class of good students, they're like on you about their grades. And mm -hmm. in this movie, their parents come in and they're like, uh, you know, my students need to get into college, so you need to make sure that they're that you're saying the right things to them. They need right. to pass their exams. So you're dealing with the pressure of those yeah. adults, right? That aren't living in reality of you know that their kids are maybe not as great as as they <laughs> think they are at home. Right. And plus, you know, then you have the pressures too of um, you know, they always say like those who can't what is it those who can't do teach or something like that you know so you i think you have like the weight of a lot of things on these characters right they're some of them were probably you know rather outsized uh, fun fun time guys in their younger age yeah and now i i think that speaks to your mads mickelson you know kind of breaking down and crying <laughs> the the weight of thinking about time and right. time is running out and you're kind of disappointing the people in your life that um that are are on your team basically but you're you're they're your biggest fans but you're disappointing them that's gotta that's gotta sting big time like berlin you're being kind of quiet what are your what are your initial thoughts this is not a film about drinking thank you that's what i was ending ending around but yeah this right is right this the middle is yeah, this is not a film about drinking. Drinking is the vehicle, let's say, but this is a built this is a film about being stuck in a station in life and it is unique that they set it in a school uh, and in a small community which Vinterberg and other uh, and other films that he has done in the past, whether it's the celebration or the hunt, uh, he understands this very well. And I think it's important to sort of look at his previous catalog. This is a film, I think, about trying to get unstuck. To leave the way station. Yeah, to leave. To lubricate your life. To <laughs> lubricate your life, but this, but the the mistake, and and I'm not trying to call you out, Erica. It's a, but like, I I think the mistake is that people get stuck, and I've heard. It's that no that mistake. I, that's the surface. You know, that's to get you in on the movie, and then the movie's got got more going on. I think it works. It's working at multiple levels, right? Yeah, but I I I and the reason it's like, and I I know what you're saying, and I. Sorry, Erica, not to discredit what you your point from before and stuff like that, but it's just like I, know. I, I think I think Vinterberg sort of giving you the pump fake because he knows that's going to be the hook. But like mm -hmm. when you're really watching the movie, that's not what it's about, and uh, and it's just like and it, I 
I actually think because I really love this movie a lot, I think it's a disservice for people to get stuck on that thread. Uh, he he's really sort of getting into under something underneath and something that is I. He is a wonderful, wonderful artist because I think at the end of the day, he uh, gets to the crux a lot of times of like, even though, like, even though he's an international director, like to what it is to be human. And some, some, sometimes the human dilemmas that don't always get sort of the spotlight and the, um, the focus yeah, that, yeah, for that sure. they deserve. Yeah, yeah, Wart, warts, the old warts and all approach. Yeah. He's not afraid to show the darker corners, the... The things we don't say out loud. Yeah. And to celebrate the darker corners. It's not always doom and gloom. Like even in something even in a film that is a heavy, heavy handed one like that, there's moments of levity there. Right. Uh, even like the, even the hunt, there's there's moments, right? Even right. in the hunt, which the is hunt, also very dark. Yeah. And um I, I think that's I think that is his uh, uh that is his superpower as a director on some level is to find those moments that are relatable even if you haven't gone through something like that and hopefully people don't find themselves in a situation like another round or like the hunt or something but like when you're in that moment it's just like he finds a way to be like hey not everything about it is bad like mm -hmm. tommy has his dog and he has to like pick it up and take it outside erica we 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 definitely Remember Otto? I mean, yeah. like, there's like, there's there's hu like there's humorous little veins in there that's like I relate to that. I get that. Right. I, uh, we don't want to be that dog that people are picking up and carrying. That's, yeah. But at some point, you are going to be that dog right. that people are going to have to pick up, and you got to hope that there's a Tommy there who's going to love you. Right. <laughs> yeah, good point. I mean, um, okay, really quick sidebar. I know, Erica, when you found out that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio had got the rights, is the, is the main concern that the American, the typical Americanized version of this film is to strip out, you know, the real heart and soul and core of it? And you think that DiCaprio would just go for that surface, like, hey, let's have a bunch of, you know, older guys drinking and, you know, kind yeah. of losing themselves in the, in the yeah. American pie spirit of things. I do. And I think he's perfect. I think he's the right age. Yeah. yeah I think he's, I think he's perfect. I do too. You know, what's weird about DiCaprio. I don't know if he has the ability to express the right amount of joy. Oh, come on. Catch me if you can. Wolf of wall street. Wolf of wall street. Although I don't love that movie, but yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Aviator when it's real when it's joy. not dark. <laughs> yeah. That real joy in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I think he's got real joy going on. When they're making money, yeah, I think that's real joy. Well, we all right, we don't have to go into a big Leonardo DiCaprio thing, but um, you know, maybe to Mike's point and to your point a little bit, you know, is is the concern that I, I mean I think it it can work as a as a remake. So I'm I'm I was just curious. Yeah, what's the background? What's the background story on another round, guys? How did how did this project come to light and the tragedy? So I I think that it's important to to understand the background of the making of the film. So the director Thomas Vinterberg originally wrote a play, and the story was not really about the dance at the end. So it wasn't about Mads Mikkelsen um, coming out of a, a lot of loss. It started out with his tears and he went through a lot of ups and downs after feeling like he was able to let go and find some joy and then ending up um, losing a lot. And at the end, finding a lot of joy again, despite some of his losses. And I think that that was a reflection of the loss that Thomas Vinterberg had early on in um, filming, because he really didn't imagine it to be that. So he he was inspired by his daughter, who told him about the the young drinking culture, actually. So his his daughter told him like, hey, did you know that me and my friends, you know, we're 16 and we go out and binge drink like this all the time? And he was like, what? Like, like the kids in the movie? 
like yeah, the like students the in the, in the movie. movie go out and run around and cause that's right the yeah running around the lake and pausing to vomit when we're drinking cases of beer and um he was like oh that's great so he wanted to have her in the movie and play mads mickelson's daughter and she was killed four days into the filming of the movie and he almost stopped production but instead he decided to say you know what instead of turning this into a huge depression and stopping the movie i am going to turn it around make this film and make it a about affirming life and he said in his oscar speech that yeah it was it was the cast and the crew right that really like pushed him to to do this kind of for for her for him for his family yeah it came through so yeah it's interesting seeing that like the first time and not knowing any of the background right and then re-watching a second time and knowing that that i think you know i mean sometimes tragedy births great art right so i i mean i think you definitely erica to your point you, yeah you feel a different another layer like yeah. added to it with that knowledge mike did you did that come through to you yeah what, i mean i think what you guys are sort of uh sort of alluding to at the point uh is that there is a vein of truth again, the human condition that this film sort of gets to. And it's just like, and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't tie all the story or in all the plots up in a, t a pretty little bow and everything like that. And it's just like, there's something intrinsically true to this movie. And uh, I, I hate it because it sounds pretentious and preposterous, uh, but like, I really think it's kind of great art. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, and, uh, and it's beautiful and uh, in a life affirming way. And, uh, and, and, and with a very, very sad, you know, backstory to it, uh, and Vinterberg and the cast and the crew, uh, deserve acclaim and credit for really seeing it through because I think a lot of, I, I think a lot of productions would have probably folded, uh, you know, folded up shop. Yeah. And, uh, to go back to your point before, uh, and probably to Erica's point, uh, credit and stuff like that. I think what I would con be concerned about is not that Leonardo isn't the right age and the right person, is that American uh, entertainment, for as much as I love it myself, uh, sometimes we are a little bit more on the nose, mm -hmm. and like we have to, you know, sort of reiterate the point over and over and over because we pander to the audience because we assume that the audience isn't going to get it mm -hmm. if we if if something if an emotion or a feeling goes unsaid in dialogue and script. And uh, I, I, I'm not saying that I, I would just probably tell people, it's like, hey, just watch it. It's, an, you know, it's about two hours of your life. Yes, I know there's subtitles, but like, yeah. you know, but it's just like, this is, this is a really, it's an excellent movie. I can't, really, wait, for can't wait for the Criterion Collection. That's right. so, <laughs> yeah. And really like, uh, I, I'm drawn to Danish material a lot. Um, I watch a lot of films and shows that are Danish. And I think to your point, Mike, yeah, with um, sometimes American stories and entertainment can be really right on the nose. And back to what we were talking about before about, you know, the nuance and the dark corners and not being afraid to go there. I feel Danish, you know, for being such a small community, I don't know if it's just, you know, back since the dogma movement and really loving like what what him and Lars von Trier and what they did with those early films and kind of that rebellious nature of, you know, doing their own thing. But I, I've just kind of always been in love with the actors and the filmmakers and the stories that come out of, of, of this little corner of the world, for sure. Um, you know, with, a, with an interesting sense of humor and interesting worldview, for sure. Well, and there's a rich history there actually even all the way back to like somebody like Milos Farman and everything where it's like I, I if anybody is interested like go back and study that part of the world I, and I know he's Polish and everything like that but it's just like I, I don't always feel like they um, the Danish and the Poles uh, and the Czechs uh, necessarily get their film uh, due as filmmakers there's wonderful 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 storytellers there mm-hmm yeah. yeah, and then you can even expand it out to, you know, Russia and other countries, too. Like, if you go through hardship, if you've gone through struggle, you know, you can tell some interesting stories from different different points of view. Well, you see, sometimes I think the Russians are a little bit too heavy-handed, 
actually. Ah, okay. Almost, well, almost, I'm thinking almost, like, like a Tarkovsky or somebody, you know, like the yeah, you know, people okay. that are like, you know, they yeah, they like, tell the stories in a creative way and maybe not so. I'm thinking of the ones that aren't straightforward. But wouldn't you say he's? I, I in my opinion, he's an outlier. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I, sorry, I have to, sorry, we're going off. I had to throw him in there. We, <laughs> right. yeah, we went on a tangent. We're going on a tangent here, but right. Denmark, great. Danish, great. Yeah. Like the clown series. Uh, oh. oh man, so yeah. great. <laughs> so dark. Not not for everybody. For sure. No. <laughs> anyway, Anyways. we digress. We we're digress. sorry. What were we talking about? <laughs> Erica, what else should we talk about with another round? Um, well, what about the way another round looks? What about the cinematography? I think the only thinking about his films, um, you know, maybe far from the maddening crowd is the only one that I felt like cinematography was a real strong effort to make a, um, to have a certain look. I mean, I think that, you know, it all, it's all cohesive and it all works well together. It just feels very natural. Like a lot of his stuff just feels very natural, which again comes back to, you know, the dogma movement, you know, using natural light as much as possible and props and things that exist in real life and their whole like manifesto. But yeah, I think he just kind of follows like you said, Mike, like not having it feel staged or like production-y, but feeling like real lived in natural performances and environments. I, I, I think, yeah, I think you hit it on a T. It's just like, it really feels like it's uh, from a production standpoint, it's a minimalist approach. And uh, I think Vinterberg is very much more interested in um, obviously a professional caliber but really sort of doing most of the work within camera and with his lens work as opposed to bells and whistles and studio lighting and all that kind of right. stuff. Right. I mean, um, I think most of his lighting was natural light. Which could be the trick. Uh you know what I mean? Like sometimes that's actually <laughs> I can speak to this. Sometimes that's the hardest. Right. right. I mean like when they say like Barry Lyndon was natural light, right? A lot of a lot of effort to get that. Right. I mean, especially like when he was in at Tommy's house, his last scene with Tommy when he goes to Tommy's house, I mean, that's dark. I mean, just when I was doing my rewatch, he goes into Tommy's place and it's dark. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, he's they're not doing Tommy's the fake blue nightlight and stuff like that in there yeah probably yeah right he goes i mean he's got tommy's light like over his sink you know and that's like it that's probably some work done within camera where i don't know if it was shot with like a shift and tilt lens and, uh to sort of give you that perspective of um inebriation and sort of set off balance uh, a shift and tilt lens is where uh, critical focus will be at, you can sort of, the lens can sh uh, adjust onto the tilt and pan axis. And um, and it sort of gives you this bizarre out of focus Gaussian blur around the perimeter of the frame. And mm. I think I think that is, I think that is, uh, again, an in-camera trick that is very intentional for that scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, um, what do you, I mean, what do you guys think about the idea of that there's a magic number on your, on the blood alcohol content where you feel, I mean, I, in a way, I've kind of, I you totally know, believe it. Yeah, I, I think, totally believe it. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Like, you can reach a point and you're like kind of, um, I don't know if I want to say like indestructible or whatever, but you do feel <laughs> like maybe you could be. Right? Yeah. You have superpowers. Oh, yeah. I've I'm been gonna, there. I'm going to admit been there. something. Uh, I'm a shitty, shitty pool player. But <laughs> with that, within like three to five drinks, like I have like this window where all of a sudden, for whatever reason, <laughs> my consistency and efficiency of hitting shots goes up. And uh, but it's it is not. Normally, if I get there and I'm older, so I don't drink the way that I used to, it's just like, I, it is a, it's usually like an hour long. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm your pool partner. I'm ready to go. Or darts. That's another one. <laughs> get me you now. Know, or I'm going to be, get me, you get me in that sweet spot and I'm going to, I'm going to deliver. So I, 
100% agree with this. That's what I think is hilarious. Yeah, I think when they just started having that conversation, the fact that they went to do that, like, that's funny as hell. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I 100% agree. For example, like, John, at Film Grain, so if I've had, like, a dr- even even a drink sometimes well there are some strong ones over there there's some strong drinks so if i get up and i do like an intro i can say like 100 percent intro no problem it just comes out as if rolling off my tongue i can say whatever no issues whatsoever last week i get up to do an intro for this press conference i'm talking and then literally mine goes blank Total you needed joke. you need some magic drinks. Is that I needed a magic drink, and I would have been fine. So just like in this movie, Peter is doing. He's on a panel for a student to do an oral exam. Oh, yeah, right. The student is super nervous. He's like, "Here, take this water bottle, and there's vodka in it. <laughs> just have a sip of that, and you'll be fine." And lo and behold, the student takes this drink of vodka after. after Convincing. and he's able to talk about Kierkegaard and anxiety like no problem because he's studied he knows what it is but getting on that panel he's super nervous have a couple drinks of vodka no problem so I'm I agree yeah. I think I yes I agree I think it speaks to the the friends too that you know didn't need that were there for like Mads and some of the other guys in the group that you know, maybe needed this, you know, really needed this and they didn't need it necessarily at all in their lives, but they still went through it. Like that's, that's brotherhood there, right? Like, yeah. But the time out, I think all four of them need it. Really? Okay. I didn't, I, I, no, I can't I remember which one friend, Nikolai didn't really. Yeah. Either. I felt like what one of the gentlemen was, it was Nikolai. there for the team. Yeah. It's like, I have this beautiful wife. I'm pretty happy. Like, I don't know. But I'll do it with my friends. I'll do it with my friends. Yeah. I think Nikolai does need it because at the end of the day, he is a new father. And it's just like the illusion of, hear me out, the illusion that everything is going to go fine. My life is moving along swimmingly and stuff like that. It's just like shit is going to. Mike's saying everyone needs a stiff drink. The takeaway. No, I'm sorry. you know, I, I, I think sometimes we get in our own ways uh, is what I ultimately think a little bit uh, is what you guys are sort of referring to. But in the respect of, I think, but in the respects of like the character of Nikolai, where everything is going all right, it does until it doesn't anymore. And, uh, sure. some, and uh, sometimes- So you might as hurt. well be drunk. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Another round, I, please. Another I round. Think that, I think that also speaks to maybe- um, everyone's problems are relative right some people's problems are worse they seem worse than other people's problems but really in your mind your problem is just as bad as someone's someone else's problem can we talk about the how the ending of the film is fantastic yes oh my god i is it the greatest dance scene (laughs) that we have ever seen totally unexpected right like oh that scene was just like Chef's kiss, right? Yes. I wish you could all see John's chef's kiss. It's the it, chef's kiss. It, it, is He's that actually the... dancing right now. Um, John is- Not leapt... enough to drink. Not enough to John, drink. He's leapt up from his chair. He's starting to spin. Can, like that is, that's gotta be in top five dance scenes of all time, right? It's gotta be, maybe it's, I, I thought the ending was so brilliant. I would put it in maybe like a, if I I would have to think of endings of movies, but as far as like the energy and kind of the positive way of looking at life and our struggles and our short time here. John, um, I believe the word would be the release. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're popping off the, yeah, the corks and shit. Literally. Yeah. They're all lubed up. Everybody's all the students are all lubed up. Okay. Here's why that dance scene is incredible. It's done without irony. It's done without humor. It's not- It's so sincere. It's so sincere and genuine. It's not men taking off their clothes for humor or sexualizing men. It's a man dancing out of joy and 
release. It's just real and genuine. That's why it's such an amazing, amazing scene. Yeah. It really brings the film up like an extra step too. It's like, it was already a great film. And then it's like, oh man, you just, you just let loose. Yep. Yep. And you know, he's, he's drinking, you know, so he's got that loose, the looseness of drinking. So would he have been doing it if he wasn't slightly loose from the alcohol? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Probably would have hurt himself. (laughs) i mean but even like a dance scene from all right like kevin bacon like footloose you know he's dancing with other people it's dance scenes you know that's not true footloose he has the one where he's in the barn like the actual i mean just sorry not to I'm just thinking I'm just well, no, I know. I'm just thinking of are those emotionally charged scenes the way this one is? <laughs> Do you know what no, I mean? No. 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 Like dirty dancing? No. You know, those are those are like paired dancing. Those are like it's like the facade of the hollywood movie right like you it's there for like a whole other purpose whereas this one you know maybe to what we're talking about with the cinematography and the performances and stuff it feels like it could happen naturally like that moment could have just happened naturally and you're kind of lost in it and you just go for the ride and it's not like oh this is like a musical now like you don't even think like that it's just it, it somehow works Yes. With the characters in the moment, yeah. it's a thing of beauty. If it was a musical, John would have immediately been like, nope, I'm done. Well, you know what I honestly thought of? And hmm. I can't believe I'm going to go there with this, but I think this will actually connect with you guys. I, I think there's an authenticity to the scene, to something akin to like risky business. When oh, Tom man. Cruise, I, I know that's a weird, but like it is an iconic dance scene. And it's iconic because it's like that idea. It's almost like the exact opposite or, you know, sort of uh, yin to yang, where it's like the parents are out of town and he is dancing out of freedom. And and there's something that and there's something that feels incredibly uh, genuine about that moment and about that performance. And it's actually and so you sort of take it and it's like a little bit of the same energy on some level. I know, I, I know we're talking we're talking yeah, I gotta about think about that. I gotta think talk- about that and that and risky actually risky business is a pretty great movie oh, it's a pretty good movie yeah, yeah for sure yeah but like I, I I actually always like what after I watched and that was the only thing I could kind of think about where it's just like it's got that energy a little bit to it what about singing in the rain it's different you know I think musicals are their own genre and uh I don't think that necessarily gets to qualify I, I, I just I just don't it, it, because it's, it is a genre and this isn't necessarily a genre film All right. sorry not to take I know not I just really probably answered that it's very a genre I know it's a yeah. totally different genre so, but so it, went, is, it is kind of the the joy of it's a joyful kind of scene I know it has nothing to do with anything related to a movie like this but yeah we're talking about like grounded in real life yeah it's just like sometimes it's like the dance i brought it up yeah Yeah, i i I don't think it necessarily belongs Uh, i would assume that this scene wasn't in the original plan for the film right i mean i i kind of would want to know for sure but i kind of would love if this was something that they felt like they needed to put in there like a celebration at at the end of this it's a great question yeah because and for a context for uh the viewing audience mickelson is a dancer or was look, a him, dancer. look him up on, look him on up. youtube look him up it's out there and it's there's some fantastic. there's some videos yeah and he's good he's really really good and so uh but he's never done has he ever performed like this in a film before so it's not that not i like this yeah. For John, John, I think you might be, and I think that's probably intentional. John, I think you might be, I, I would bet that it was not originally in the uh, first, the first draft. Which is even more, right? Even more wonderful yeah. about 
turning, just, turning tra- taking tragedy and spinning it to a celebration of life and God, I really hope brevity. that yeah. the leaping off of the mm-hmm. um, dock into the water was not in the original script. It's a good, it's a good fairy tale, <laughs> whether it's true or not. Yeah. I, I would love to know if like that was intended to be the freeze frame or they wanted to follow him all the way in the water. It was like the belly flop went horribly wrong or something like that. It's just like, it's like, you know what? Before we get this freeze frame, it, <laughs> it's perfect right there. Oh, it's perfect. The freeze frame. It is perfect. Perfect. Oh. Last thoughts on another round. Our last virtual cinema, hopefully ever until the next pandemic, but hopefully our last virtual oh, cinema talkback. <laughs> Erica, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I hope it's the last virtual cinema talk back. <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, well, yep, pandemic over. Everyone's vaccinated. Back to the bourbon barrel. Let's see our friends again. Let's see it on the big screen. Mike, any last thoughts on another round or on virtual cinema? I hope this film gets a bigger and wider audience and, uh, I think that we need more original uh, stories about people in capes and spandex uh, because it's like that's well, yeah, you know, that's this is right. this this film is more authentic, and uh, you know, I'm not against temple and franchises and stuff like that, but it's that isn't necessarily what um, the best filmmaking makes. It was good that we get this movie out there and we got to oh analyze it and talk about it. Oh my gosh. Whenever they want and hopefully more people discover the, I agree. Discover the film. Yeah, I loved it. And Another Round was a great movie to go out on. It really was. And I would say too, watch more, watch more foreign films. I think we get, we like Mike said, and like you said too, what goes out at Tinseltown such a small percentage but, yeah. of what's made. It is a very small percentage of what's made, but it's made for an extremely broad audience and it's what's marketed to an American audience. Let the film society uh, show you <laughs> show you other options because John programs a lot of great stuff. So um, yeah, keep your eyes and ears open for a lot of other great things coming because foreign is um exceptional this version is going to be light years beyond what leonardo dicaprio is going to be able to give to you um an on the nose version that is going to be spoon fed to you uh ouch you don't know that some serious shade some serious serious shade maybe maybe we'll be surprised but it is a little too soon to uh yeah like, yeah erica let somebody disappoint you before you shit on them that's right <laughs> give, them a, give them a chance to fail you give them, give okay. them a chance give them a chance to come woefully short before you cast all your judgments on them got it uh, we'll do. and now let's bring in our friends for our virtual cinema talk back about another round so just so you all know, this this one's going to work a little differently because um, Mike, Eric, and I, we, we have to admit something to you. We all, for some reason, showed up at five o'clock and we thought that you all were late. And so we recorded our whole, our thoughts for like 45 <laughs> minutes before you all arrived and we realized, oh shit. And guys, I just want you to know I was drinking for that podcast, and so I've decided to just continue right on through. So <laughs> this will be great. So well, funny. Right, just, just to summarize it then. Uh... <laughs> well, yeah, so I, I think maybe to start, let's get each of your um, overall impressions on another round. Had you seen it before? Was this the first time you saw it? What did you think um, of the story and the performances? You know, what were kind of your overall impressions and, and takeaways? Who who wants to go first? Kelly? Okay. It, w- it wasn't a comedy. 
<laughs> that I found very humorous that, that they build it at it's like it has this blurb like a light a comedy of in lighthearted like this was a I mean, there were certainly comic moments, but it was at heart a deeply cynical movie, I think. Um, mm. Or maybe, I don't know, it was the deep issue that so many of us have with, with alcohol and, it, and what it does to us positively and negatively and how it can obliterate relation, relationships. And I guess the one thing that I would um, say that I was thinking about today is how uh, one's relationship to alcohol really does blot out your kids um, because their kids were like, they were invisible, that his own children. I mean, he had more of a relationship with the students, um, but he didn't seem to have, I mean, they were, besides going on that camping trip, there, there really wasn't this, uh, that he did not repair that relationship. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, it's interesting to hear. John, what, what were your thoughts? We'll, we'll stick with, with you both to start. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that the initial no, premise was the correct. If they'd stuck with that, they'd be just, just fine. But, oh, the, the, yeah. the low level of... <laughs> Constantly buzzed, you know, so you're at your best. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, do you agree, John? Do you agree with 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 that theory that there? Have you felt that that there's a certain point where you're uh, invincible? Uh, that, I, I, I'm old enough to realize at that point that I'm fucked up. If, if that's what I think. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I, I don't agree with that premise. Um, but um, situationally, there's no question. You know, social. Uh, lubricant that uh, you know, loosens people. Good, up and... good word use. Good word use. Erica used that word too. I used that word tonight many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know you knew you kind of knew from the from the first time that the uh, that the theory is advanced, uh, uh, such as it was, uh, that this can't end well. Okay. Yeah. Pre appreciate that. Who, um, Ali? Do you want to share your initial? overall thoughts sure yeah i mean i had that same thought uh about kelly where i was like oh these poor children um but i felt like it was like a really interesting way that they i feel like all the youth in the in the movie didn't play a big role like the students were kind of like dumbed down like they only wanted to hear lessons about who was a drinker and things like that so i feel like the it was interesting a movie about drinking that wasn't about kids. I just thought that was kind of an interesting take. I don't know if I liked it or not. Uh, it was, I was definitely entertained watching it, but um, I also went through the same kind of questions. Like, is this a comedy or a tragedy? Like, I almost wish that there were less tragic elements and it was honestly just something to laugh at because. Well, you might get that in the DiCaprio uh, remake. Yeah, I did see that they were going to do a <laughs> DiCaprio remake. Uh, yeah, but again, I don't know if I liked it or not. I feel like there were so many places where I was just like, this is ridiculous. So it was almost like I wish it would have just committed to being like a comedy. Mike, I, I know you want to jump in, but let's... Uh... I mean, do you do you have something you want to jump in with Ali on? Uh, well, here, we'll we'll keep it moving. I, can I pose a question to Delisa? Oh, sure. <laughs> a returning champion. Delisa, I'm going to ask you a question. Give me your, give me your, give us your unbridled opinion here. Delisa, do you think that this is a movie about drinking? No. I love you, Delisa. I love you. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Please continue. Because if you look at the movie as an alcoholic or whatever movie, the difference between alcoholics and drunks is that alcoholics go to meetings. None of these people went to meetings. Okay, there's no alcoholic in this movie. Okay, so what they were showing you, especially in the first beginning, what I got from it is when you're young and drinking, you look wild and free. When you're old and drinking, you just look stupid. Okay, you look dumb, falling around and everything up. So when they came to a point, I mean, their lives were at a crossroads. And they were thinking, what else can we do with our lives? There's nothing else we can do. So, I mean, how much can drinking really just mess up our lives? Like our lives are already like kind of taped, okay? 
So they decide to try to do something to liven themselves up. They haven't had fun in such a long time, especially what's his name with his wife. I mean, he was just merely going through the motions. And finally with drinking, they were like, oh my gosh, I, I can finally do all of this stuff, which they probably could have done without drinking, but it seemed like drinking gave them that confidence to do it. So now their lives have opened up and I was really shocked, but you know, the one friend that actually took his life, but you knew somebody almost had to because it couldn't have kept going at that point like that, you know, and some were probably harboring some other things, you know, that were going on. Even towards the end, when his wife called and he felt free, that's what it was about. It was about feeling that point of freedom, but they couldn't do it without alcohol. Like they didn't know how to use their social structures around them to have fun. They didn't know how to do it without alcohol. So if you look at this movie as just a you know drinking movie, then you miss the whole point because they kept showing the contrast of the young and the old with the drinking. And they kept bringing in, well, you know, especially with Hitler, you know, like, oh, well, he liked rabbits, he liked animals, this is, you know, so it's all about our perspective. <laughs> Mike. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you. I knew I, I knew Delisa was I knew that I could rely on Delisa. Like, thank you. Everyone's I, point is valid. Everyone's I, point is valid. I know, Delisa, I know, I know, I know. I, I thank you, Delisa. I knew Everyone I could trust Delisa. Thank you. I would I would counter, I would counter um that pretty much any alcoholic who has taken their recovery seriously would say it really isn't about the alcohol. It's a disease of not being able to be true to yourself. So, and I would say it's very much the guy who died. I think he died of alcoholism. I think he died because he, I mean, he killed himself through drinking. So, but, so, but I, I totally, you, I do agree with what you said, Elisa. Yeah, I agree too. And I really liked the uh, juxtaposition of the young people that are like running a race and drinking. And vomiting. And vomiting. <laughs> and yeah. how it's like just this fun and liveliness for young people. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you, Delisa. All right, Mike DeCourt. Really, the, the whole thing was kind of a mystery to me. I, <laughs> it, it was confusing. Uh, but I would like to actually circle back to what Kelly said and it refer to a novel that I read. It was called The Risk Pool. I, I can't recall the author right now, but it was really kind of crazy, zany adventures with a, at, frankly, I think it was a, certainly a, a, a reckless, immature adult, maybe an alcoholic too, and a young kid. And it was really, uh, it was just funny. They got in this cra crazy adventures and situations and it was, it was just bizarre and fun and, 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 and just, crazy good entertainment. Because I enjoyed the book, as I often do, I went back and read it again. This whole thing is sad and desperate. And it's not a happy situation. This poor kid is going to be a mess. And his parents, there's some whole sports structure. They're a total mess. And so I kind of wonder about this movie. If you, if you went back and watched it again, would it be uplifting and fun? Or would it just all be kind of desperate? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just thought the whole premise was, I can't believe anybody would actually do that. You'd think that maybe a little more sensitivity around what alcohol actually does to people. I mean, and trying to balance 0.05 blood alcohol level at school. I don't know. It was crazy. It's some it's some risky business, for uh, sure. Indeed. I can't believe uh, students... Uh, a teacher's advice to a student for study preparation was take a couple shots. Right, right. But what what we talked about, uh, you know, at the at the first version uh, of of recording this podcast was mm -hmm. the, uh, the you know the cultural differences and the um, you know you can drink much much younger, start drinking much younger legally in uh, other countries. So yeah, I understand you know watching it as an American and kind of through that lens of, hey, it's bad to drink until you're 21, stuff like that. Um, but it's a little different in, in Denmark. Juan, why don't you come off of mute and share your thoughts with us? 
Hey, everybody. Sorry I'm late. But, no worries. Um, you know what? I, uh, I was, I, I kind of had mixed feelings about the movie. I, I thought I, I liked a lot of parts of it. I, I had seen the whole dancing sequence or, or glimpses of it somewhere else. And it was really almost like through the whole thing, I was like, when are they going to get to dancing? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was very excited for that. But um, I thought there were some really cool uh, sequences uh, throughout the whole thing. And I think the way uh, they kind of focused on some of the actors when they were speaking and when they were thinking, it was a lot of like that, uh, almost like contemplating, like what's going to be, how are you going to play up uh, certain things, especially with Matt's, the, the main actor, just like the scene where he's, first of all, contemplating whether he's going to drink uh, at the table when they're celebrating that guy's birthday. And then and then when he starts drinking, it's almost, you can kind of tell that maybe he was, I was thinking maybe he was a teetotaler before. I, I was, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but because he feels he's very ambivalent about drinking, but then all of a sudden he's just kind of like goes all in. He takes huge uh, swigs from his wine and then the vodka. So it was, it was very, I, I kind of enjoyed that aspect of the movie the most. Not so much the whole word for old white men trying to like do something different with our lives. Like our lives are kind of boring or whatever. Uh, but uh, I thought that was, it was very much about less, maybe definitely less about the alcoholic, uh, be, becoming an alcoholic, but more about like where do they were in their lives and kind of like having that, it was almost like a midlife crisis, right? Mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to Google that philosophy or whatever, and maybe they made it up for the movie. I don't know if anybody found that out. It's real. Because it, it's real. Well, oh, it's wow. a real philosophy by yeah, a Norwegian. Real. Yes, it's real. It's a real philosophy. The man right. who came up with it, it's not a real practice. Like okay. no one, and the man who came up with the philosophy never actually did it. It's ah, an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a crazy idea. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> Now we know it doesn't work, I guess. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it was interesting. It was a good, uh, I think it was a good watch. Yeah. Does, uh, it, does it not work? And uh -huh. as I think the scene where, um, where they have a staff meeting and they're like, somebody has been drinking while teaching here. And Tommy, the friend who ends up on the boat, um, it's him, you know, he comes stumbling into the meeting and they're like, well, I guess we know who, who's been drinking at school. Um, you know, they know quickly who, who it is and, you know, it's not possible. You know, they, they figure out, you know, no one can really do this. But I wanted to actually say to Kelly and to everyone that um, if, you, if you know the backstory at all on this film that the director, Thomas Vinterberg, if you, did anybody watch the Academy Awards or is that just, John and me. Yeah, I, I did watch his speech where he you talks a little bit about speech. his daughter. Yes, and, um, it was it was it was a great speech. Maybe yeah. a little long, but whatever. It was but a little it bit was, long. It was a little bit was, long, but it was great. It was great. Yeah. And what he commented about his daughter, if uh, yes. I guess if nobody knows, is that she passed away in the middle of filming, mm -hmm. and the, the kind of crew was almost like we rallying. They kind of gave him space to mourn. And then the crew was also like saying, yeah, whenever you want to start, we're ready to go. So that's right. It sounds like a cool story. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible story. And what I wanted to say, and actually to say to Kelly, based on that was that his daughter was a real inspiration for writing the film because of her talking about the, the youth drinking culture in Denmark. She was going to play one of his children, one of Martin's children in the film. She was so, playing, she was playing. She was, yes, she was playing one of his children in the film. So it's really interesting that you brought up that his children were so separated from him mm -hmm. throughout the film. Mm -hmm. I, she I died mean, four, four days into production, everybody, just so you know. Wow. The story there is she died right when filming started. And so instead of, you know, he thought about stopping production. He changed some things about the film. And instead of, you know, shutting it down and saying, I can't do this, he changed some things and decided that his intention was he wanted to make it a life-affirming film. 
So whatever you took away from it, and it's interesting hearing your thoughts because his intention was after going through, I want to change my life because I'm having this midlife crisis. That's the intention of the story. I'm having a midlife crisis. His friend, you know, the friend says this philosophy, let's try it. And it certainly does seem positive at first. And then a lot of negative things happen, a lot of loss, but really his intention was this is something life affirming inspired by his daughter after this tragic loss. So Kelly, that's what, you know, when you said that it was so fascinating because- you know, that is interesting that that there is, I mean, in some ways, his drinking really did improve his relationship with the students. Um, and that really beautiful scene with the choir director, where oh. they are not singing particularly well. And he's like, just, just, you know, basically, get in touch with yourself, get stand up, get, get be rooted, touch each other, you know, and to, to this one girl who's got a beautiful voice who is overpowering everybody like it's you have to listen to each other you know and and then he like turn pulls down the blind so he can get a swig but oh my gosh it was this beautiful like they so responded to his direction and it was is he hearing all this beauty because he's drunk or is his direction really eliciting this beautiful <clears throat> this real this real response from the students and i would say it's probably both um, and that there is this, I mean, it is this sort of fine line and this, and I loved him dancing at the end. I mean, that was just, uh, I love that, that just sort of abandon and joy. I mean, in some ways, and it was, but it was so confusing because I'm like, but he's, he's shit based and he's not actually <laughs> texting his wife back. Who's like putting her out on the line for him. And like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, men can be complicated. <laughs> I was, I was going to say that I did like that, that it was almost like he's getting this text and it's kind of like confirming that she's still in love with him or something like that. And the whole dancing is basically what you feel like in your heart, I think. It's like when you're like, you're getting, oh, hey, she's going to go out with me again. Yay. And then he just starts dancing. I don't know. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. Not so complicated <laughs> Not interpretation. <so> <laughs> Well, if you remember at the table when they were talking about doing it, they were talking about alcohol will make you more musical, like to hear the music better. And they were everything they talked about what alcohol would do, you've seen it play out in their lives. And even the one that killed himself, he didn't even realize the impact he was having because even on the soccer team, the little boy they called Specs, like he changed that little boy's life. Like he really did. And I, you know, he didn't really have that much confidence in himself to really, you know, realize the impact he was having, you know, even while he was drunk, <laughs> he was really having an impact on, you know, even that little boy. I mean, that part in the funeral just made me cry. I was like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. yeah, and really and that they had all those little kids singing before they're like, they, they were singing with the gusto of somebody drunk, you know, it was really beautiful. I said this in our previous, in our previous <laughs> recording that, um, that his dancing, that uh, Martin's dancing was just, and you use this word, Kelly, just so joyful. And I feel like you don't see that very often in film that off, that often you see men, men dancing and it's funny or it's meant to be very sexualized, you know, the like the opposite for, you know, women are dancing and it's very sexualized or men are dancing and it's very sexualized or it's it's funny because men aren't dancing with joy like that. And I just thought that, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is like a trained dancer and and gymnast, I think. Um, and so when you're watching him, it just, it, it is, it's so joyful. And the freeze frame at the end, when he's leaping into the water, I think it just, it, the, the music and the dancing, it just, you can't help, but want to be dancing with him. It just, you wanted, you want to be there with him. But I, I loved the, the depiction because you don't, I feel like we don't see it in American movies that often that is so genuine. I used to work at Stairways and uh, 
and my my supervisor you know there's and a lot of a lot of the clients had issues with alcohol and and the, the, my supervisor would would talk with them and say you know alcohol might feel good at the moment but it is a depressant you are you have a diagnosis of depression. This is not a solution. <laughs> well, that's the reason why you have to consume more. And that's the reason why they couldn't stay at 0.05. They would always have to consume more because it releases um, dopamine, you know, in, in your brain because you want more and you have to keep replacing it. And you would just keep going and you keep going and you keep going. And at some point in the movie, I mean, I guess in their lives, they would have to find something to replace that alcohol. The guy being with his wife, with love and everything, now he's he's gonna, I think he's gonna replace that with his family. Um, the other ones will probably have to figure it out because the one with the kids, I don't know, he, I would drink for him. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is like the thing about Vintenberg on some level where it's just like, and we talked about this before where it's like, well, it's just like he is um, wonderful at sort of finding layers and textures in moments that might that in American cinema that might be construed with it's all bad or it's all good. He finds the grayscale in there. And it's uh, it's it's hard because I think we all totally respect and understand uh, the pratfalls and what can happen with consuming too much alcohol and becoming too reliant on that. But these characters are already sort of, they're stuck. They, they need something to sort of break them out on some level. And uh, Vinterberg's just a master. He understands the gray in life. So this is, uh, so you could say this is really just about how we should all be considering non-addictive substances like weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the moral, but yes, <laughs> right, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that whole idea of like microdosing hallucinogens, right? That's the mm -hmm. whole idea. It, it, it ups people's game, but it isn't necessarily going to addict you. And there's that kind of, and another thought is, gee, a um, hundred years ago and before people were drinking, or maybe 150 years ago, before refrigeration, right? People drank all the time. Kids, mm -hmm. drank. that was what you drank. Sailors drank. There's like, there wasn't, that's what was available. Because as soon as you make juice by the afternoon, it's starting to turn. Right. <laughs> This guy who was interviewed on NPR, it's this this guy is like, you know, monks used to fast for Lent and it meant that they didn't eat any food. So all they did was drink beer. And so he decided to take the beer fast. Uh, and and he actually, after after 40 days of doing nothing but drinking beer, he was actually in better shape than he was. <laughs> Um, I don't remember that story. I, I think he lost, he still lost 13 pounds or something like that. Yeah, he lost a lot of weight. He was better. He said the first week it was really hard because he was hungry all the time, but, and, but he wasn't trying, he was also like not going for the high voltage here just because he didn't want to be drunk, but he would drink and it was enough food and nutrients that he was, yeah. I was gonna say one is that I'm is that vodka? right now? <laughs> no, well, yeah, this is this is what I use in my work day. It was this whole thing. No, I'm kidding. It was all water. Hey, we have some thoughts from Forrest. I love how it portrayed addiction, particularly the seductive side of addiction, in that it gave them a real jolt of creativity in their jobs, but it also didn't shy away from the far uglier aspects of addiction. Also, I agree with the juxtaposition of the young with the older, there it comes a time when excessive drinking just becomes sad. And I write all this as I drink a rogue dead guy ale. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Forrest. Nice. Sounds like he agrees with Allie about the old and young and probably some addiction there with you, Kelly. Sounds like you were all, um... Yeah, it was, uh, you're, you weren't sure how to take the film, which is cool. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, the marketing of something like this is really difficult, right? Like if you say it's comedy in American audiences, you know, to what Erica was saying before, are used to kind of broad stories that it all fit nicely into a box. You know, it's, it's either gotta be like a, a drinking movie that gives you one thought, but this is a little more, um, 
little more complicated maybe, which, which I think uh, some of us appreciate a lot. Yes, Thomas Vinterberg is his own genre, says Forrest. What do you all think about the remake that's about to happen? So what are the details on the remake? All I heard was just like, and it was like the New York Post was like Leonardo DiCaprio to do a remake. Is that is that that's all that's all we know thus far? <laughs> so what are your thoughts, just knowing that Leonardo DiCaprio uh, wants to remake The Hunt and presumably star in another or, round? Wait, another, another round. round. Sorry, another round. Is the the same the same movie that that Mickelson was in? Yes. Oh, yeah. inter that's interesting, huh? This this Does movie this another round Sorry, another round I said the hunt but I meant another round so another round oh, Leonardo DiCaprio another oh that's interesting right I mean I'm, I I don't think Americans can make movies like that exactly well. that's what I think I I don't I, like Mike said earlier there they it's gonna be too on the nose. It'll be preachy, moralistic. I mean, that's how my word I was just going to say movie, preachy, right? yeah. Yeah. Or it could be like a mad, funny, like a madcap. Right. Maybe they'll get yeah. so drunk. They'll just have drunk adventures. Yeah. Might be Wolf like of Wall a, Street, too. Yeah. Right. Or The Hangover. <laughs> the Hangover, yes. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. holding out hope it'll be its own thing and hopefully it will work. Yes, Forrest, to answer your questions, Americans are afraid of uh, subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, we got we got this group to watch, which is awesome. Right. Thank you all so much yes. for being here and sharing your thoughts. This is our last um, virtual cinema talk back because we hope that we'll be getting back to our regular programming here after the summer. Thank you all for being here, supporting the Film Society. Uh, Erica, anything else you want to toss out? That's it. We're just really happy you came to, or you showed up online. And, and on time. Online and on time. That's right. <laughs> nice yeah. to see everybody. Thank yeah, you. Thank you all so thank much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for being with us on Virtual Cinema. And to all of you listening, this was Film Grain.